everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast. It's volume 9, issue 449, and it's time we caught up with Super Mario Odyssey. Joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 449 are Darren Gargetts. Hey, hello. What's up? Hey, Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And Rich Davison. Hello. We've got no one who, none of our famous uh, voice impersonators to do to do any of the characters this week, so uh, sorry about that. We've done them enough. <laughs> it's Get it's a dry it. opening. <laughs> Uh, Super Mario Odyssey then is a 2017 globe-trotting 3D platform adventure for the Nintendo Switch hybrid console and the latest game, still at this point, in the polygonal 3D adventures of Nintendo's mascot, Super Mario. So, you know, somebody, somebody might ask. <laughs> uh, so the one thing I wanted to uh, comment on uh, that I hadn't really uh, clocked before is I think because uh, I, I ended up just sort of almost accidentally redoing the final boss fight with Bowser just because I revisited the, the moon church. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert. Really? OK, here it is. Um, <laughs> you, go, <laughs> you go to the you go to the moon church and you fight Bowser again. And then I watched the I rewatched the credit roll, and I never noticed. I don't think I, obviously I haven't seen every credit roll on every Nintendo game, but for the first time that I've been aware, all the credits are just in name alphabetical order, like in a very sort of egalitarian sort of way, in a way that I'd never seen any Japanese developer do before, certainly not Nintendo. I thought that was very nice. Yeah, never noticed. Yeah. Development for the game began right after Super Mario 3D World was released in late 2013. Internal development name for Odyssey was Red Star, following on from 3D Land's Red Pepper, 3D World's Red Carpet, and Super Mario 1 Run's Red Bull. So you would have thought Odyssey would be Red Carpet with, like, the wedding in that, but what do I know? Well, I guess they'd already used it. Red, red rug. Red rug, yeah. Like a red rug to a bull. So the producers are Koichi Hayashida who is, was the director of Super Mario Galaxy 2 that Nintendo seemed to, for some reason, want to pretend doesn't exist anymore. And the aforementioned Super Mario 3D Land launch title for the 3DS, or was it launch or near launch? Certainly close to. And Yoshiaki Koizumi was the other producer who was the director of Donkey Kong Jungle Beat that we covered earlier this year and the first Super Mario Galaxy that we covered some years ago, along with its sequel. Uh, Kenta Motokura is the director, and that's actually his first game as a director, mm. uh, having been a design, uh, an important designer, design director on 3D Land and Galaxy 2 and, and other games like Pikmin 2. He was a creature designer and a character designer on Pikmin. But actually, this was this was his first role as director, which is uh, quite a thing to be handed, I would imagine. But obviously, he'd worked his way through the ranks. The game is released for the Switch as both a game card or a digital download because it's the modern world. October 27th in most of the world with a slightly delayed release in South Korea in early December. And it just came out in March in China because the Switch launched there in March 2020. So yeah, they got Super Mario Odyssey this year. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey is the first ever Mario series title to receive a B rating by the CERO in Japan. All other titles released prior have been rated at A, which is the you know the lowest, most family-friendly rating. Similarly, Odyssey is the first Super Mario series title to receive Everyone 10 Plus by the ESRB in North America, 
All other titles released prior have been rated E for everyone, no 10+. According to the ESRB, this is because of the following content contained in what we can only assume is the darkest and most violent <laughs> Mario game of all time. The ways the enemies are defeated, the capture of a cartoony military tank, the enemy Sherm, to fire large cannonballs at Mecha Wiggler, and the large explosion that occurs upon the defeat of the latter. The various punches landed at Bowser during his fights and the pink liquid trails that Cookatiel spits out towards Mario during its boss fight. The reviews were glorious, uh, as is often the case for first party Mario stuff. I know that some people like to claim there's some sort of bias or collusion going on, but I think, you know what? It's just that people really like them. Open Critic has an average of 97% with the game being recommended by 98% of critics. Fair enough. Awards-wise, Super Mario Odyssey was nominated for six awards at the Game Awards 2017, winning only one, though. It was nominated for Game of the Year, but lost to, guess what? Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Nominated for Best Direction, lost to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Nominated for Best Score and Music, lost to Nier Automata. Best Audio Design, lost to Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. Best Action Adventure Game, nominated but lost to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And it won the Best Family Game, which is a bit like a, <laughs> feels like a backhanded slap. <laughs> but... As we'll hear from a lot of our correspondents, uh, and I think probably one of our panellists too, a uh, best family game is in some ways a very fitting uh, trophy, of uh, a, a badge for it to wear. Sales-wise, just ridiculous. Uh, 19 million copies, and it's still selling. Anyway, uh, probably not too much to be said here, but our histories with the game, obviously it's fairly straightforward. There's just one version. I'm going to guess most of us got it near launch, but anyway, fill us in. Darren. Yeah, so I remember at E3, there was that looming shot of New Donk City with the um, the sewer manhole kind of covering. And we're all kind of scratching our heads thinking, well, what's going on? Is this like a new Sonic adventure game or something <laughs> along those lines? And lo and behold, Mario pops out of the... Um, of the, from the sewers, well, you know, because that's, you know, Mario 1, 2, Mario Brothers 1, 2. That's where he, you know, that's where he lives, basically, in the, in the sewers. If he's not on top, he's underneath in the sewers. So, yeah, he pops out of there and it was just like, what have they done to, like, Super Mario? <laughs> like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And um, the realistic visuals really took me aback. And, uh, yeah, I was just, you know, obviously, from that point on, I was sold because it's a new Mario game on the Switch, which is, like, the brand new thing at the time. You know, we just pretty much just played our way through Breath of the Wild. So seeing a Mario so soon after Zelda was a bit of a shock. Uh, yeah, pre-ordered Media Blackout until it came out. And um, oh, I, think, yeah. I think I watched the trailer once more before it came out. And I was just, I knew I was sold. So I didn't need to carry on riding that hype train, so to speak. So probably if there, if we have a drinking game for this show, it probably won't be Dark Souls or even Super Meat Boy. What it might be is the word moon. Um, <laughs> we're going to say that a lot. <laughs> how, how many moons... Uh, did you get? Uh, we'll talk about the the actual number of moons later. But uh, sort of, did you go? Did you do the whole thing in one sitting, or did you come back to it? Or so I think I got to my, my rough collection is I got to I done the darker side of the moon, and you know I did the super hard stuff. Good. And then I I said to myself I'm going to stop for a little while and come back to it. But I think what happened was is that I just carried on, and I I used um, Uncle Amiibo and. Some various sure. tips and tricks within the game to help me find the extra moons. But ultimately, yeah, my, my save file sitting at 900 moons. And I played it again recently with my little one. We got to the first ending, so about 120 odd moons. Yeah, so um, yeah, mm -hmm. I've done a lot. It's a lot of moons. Josh, how about you and your Odyssey with Odyssey? <laughs> 
I, you've put me on the spot with the moon question. I, I don't actually know off the top That's of right. my head. Um, but um, uh, so, some of my story is, is similar to Darren. When I first saw that trailer, they, they showed off New Donk City a lot in the early um, advertisement mm. for this game. It really put me off mm. for similar reasons that Darren expressed. Like, I just immediately got Sonic Adventure vibes. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, ah, I, I, I love what I love about Mario is the kind of weird abstractness of the Mushroom Kingdom of like how, like Mario Galaxy does this as well, just how weird and like the geometric shapes and all of that stuff. So for everything to be rendered in not, you know, photo real, but kind of going for a realistic visual style felt a bit kind of, it felt like the antithesis of what I what I loved about the uh, this series visually. Mm-hmm. However... You know, more stuff came out, and then obviously the reviews were just, as we've already discussed, incredibly positive. Um, and then I, yeah, I bought it day one, especially off of the back of you know Breath of the Wild that came out um, earlier that year. It really felt like Nintendo was on a bit of a roll. Um, I, I absolutely like the the actual like main campaign or, or like the first credit sequence. I, I smash that in like a week or so i i yeah. absolutely yeah uh, absorbed as much of absorbed that as quickly as possible um and then it's kind of become like a game i dip in and out of every once in a while definitely for like you know when this was possible um when you, you i was taking plane trips over to the us just like oh yeah, yeah. i'll grab a I'll grab a couple more moons i'll go get you know dip in I haven't gone all the way to like the darker, you know, the really hard stuff towards the end of the game, but I've enjoyed kind of just dipping in and doing little challenges here and there. Rich, how about you? Are you a normal, uh, are you normally sort of first in the queue when it comes to Nintendo IP? And no, Mario not in the slightest. Big releases? It's interesting, no. really, because like I've played all of the Mario games except for Mario Sunshine. And while the earlier, like NES and Super Nintendo Mario games are really formative, and, and I look back at them with really fond memories, as soon as we get into like N64, GameCube, Wii era, doesn't really do a great deal for me. I don't really play that many Switch games either, and that's largely because my my children tend to play with the Switch, and and I don't really get a chance to kind of take the controller away from the hands. Is it? Yeah, Is well, it yeah. I'm also very busy, and I don't consider myself to be like a natural platform um, person. It's not the type of genre that I like. So when I look at things from Nintendo, specifically Mario games, I tend to look at them in terms of what they're going to mean for my kids because I know that they tend to resonate a lot with them. I did play Mario um, roughly around about launch. It would have been just at the Christmas time because it was a gift for my son. And then I played it myself for the first time around about six months after that. And then in preparation for this show, I did another full playthrough around about a month ago. But the vast majority of my time spent with Mario Odyssey is not in my gameplay. It's when my children get infuriated with something and then they pass the controller to me. So in terms of how many stars I've got, it's really difficult to approximate because it's not on my save file. So I have no sense of how many I've collected. Um, but I've done a full playthrough through to the end credits and then the darker side of the moon. And then you very kindly shared a video with us throughout the preparation for the show with some of the hardest challenges. And it transpires that I've done many of those as well. So it's a fairly robust done, yeah. playthrough. Yeah. So Darren, how old was Ivy when in 2017? Too young for this, um, but you said you've played more recently with her. Yeah. So when it first came out, she was, you know, 
nap times, switch times, you know what I mean? But nowadays it's yeah. um, assist mode with Cappy in two-player co-op. Right. So, um, and, you know, she gets bored rather quick. She's only she's four and a half, so she gets bored rather quick. She'd rather watch me play and, you know, help that way. In terms, and by help, I mean jump in front of the telly and scream and shout at the weird, funny creatures on the screen. Yeah. But no, yeah, she she really loves it. Like, I can't stress. You know when, like, um, you talk to people who've got kids and they go, oh, when they get to, like, four or five, they listen to one song over and over again. I have heard Jump Up Superstar. I think we were dancing to today about 20 times I heard the intro because wow. she kept sk- skipping back to that and she she does all <laughs> the actions that Pauline Mayor Pauline does uh, honestly oh, that song cute. in the last sort of six months has <laughs> just taken off for us and it is um, you know I, I, I'm hoping it inspires her to take up some sort of dancing role because the way she gets into it yeah. is just like it's, it's magical to see and like, you know I'll come downstairs and she'll just be on a TV remote flicking through oh let's jump up superstar on and you're just like okay you're old enough to do that now and uh, that's crazy so yeah yeah like, like I say she's, she's pretty good with Cappy like she can control the hat pretty well and you know as Mario if, if he does fall off because of the great assists in the game you know she doesn't get frustrated right yeah old enough to um to enjoy just not really enough to uh, keep her attention in terms of actually playing it yeah my niece Brooke is my the the, the little nin- Nintendo gaming influence in my life and I guess she was uh, I think she would have been nine when she got her switch for Christmas 2018 I think but she had no real sense that Odyssey was a you know like an old game at that point 18 months old or whatever uh, she abs- it was like one of her you know best Christmases ever she absolutely played it but then after she was Odyssey obsessed for months and and then one day I said to her oh did you you know I don't know like did you ever finish everything in Odyssey and she says I hate that game now (laughs) I don't know whether whether she got on to a bit that she couldn't do or she just overplayed it or whatever but I'm not I'm sure if I had a more uh, nuanced conversation she would admit that she'd had hundreds of hours of fun with it but uh, for me though yeah I I was 45 when this came out no children don't care Uh, (laughs) ordered it uh, as soon yeah pretty much as soon as you could order it probably um, well, I don't generally do pre-orders. I normally wait for reviews still uh, from one of the online retailers who generally gets you things slightly early. So I think I got this on Wednesday of the week that it was supposed to come out, which is always exciting. And uh, yeah, I played it a load for the next couple of months as much as I could until I got up to about 600 odd moons and had completed the normal game. And then, of course, uh, the next volume of Cane and Rinse started. So yeah, it got put aside. Uh, I figured we'd come back to it someday. And so we did. And yeah, so I've been back to it the last few weeks and collected another couple of hundred odd moons. So I'm on 800 and something <laughs> now, but I still haven't done everything. Uh, and I still haven't done the like the darker side and all that stuff. So there'll be another round probably I just never thought we'd talk about a Mario game where yeah just turned it on and just picked up a couple hundred moons you know what I mean like what what a strange thing to talk about we will talk more about that. Uh, let's before we do, we'll just briefly cover off the scenario. I think the characters, obviously, there's some new bits, bits and bobs in there. There's some new uh, denizens of the different realms that we go to, and uh, some of them have quite a starring role. Uh, perhaps we'll talk about those when we talk about the individual worlds. But as for the overall scenario, so um, the it's 
the the wedding theme it's a bit odd really isn't it because yeah apparently it's not the first time uh super mario wiki says although prior mario media have featured uh, bowser trying to initiate a forced marriage with princess peach such as the anime super mario brothers peach hime kushitsu dai saksen as well as the super mario brothers super show episode do you princess toadstool take this cooper and the super mario adventures comic odyssey is the first time such a plotline occurred in one of the games and the second to have Bowser and Peach marry with Super Paper Mario being the first but with but with Count Bleck planning it instead it's a I mean it's the whole sort of the the grabbing the princess and then rescue we've done it we've done it many many times it sort of seems increasingly kind of outdated I think um but the the idea that he's now Bowser's now thinking oh I should if I'm going to force this human to uh, procreate with me a giant lizard I must at least make sure that it's not out of wedlock he's got standards but you know the, the, um, uh, up in the stakes so to speak in terms of them two getting married it fits in my head with the aesthetic of the game being a bit more photorealistic right because each of the kingdoms yeah. resembles a real life location and it kind Kinda. of fits for me if you know what I'm saying yes and there's not the that whole, I agree uh, with it yeah, <laughs> I still like, think it's each of the kingdoms is like a component the, the of a, a marriage in that sense yeah yeah there's a there's a cake and a ring and a uh, although they 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 renamed the one of the localization changes was to do with the name of the wedding ring, even though the whole story is about a wedding and a marriage. Uh, it's very odd. Um, but yes, obviously, it's not something that concerns me unduly. I just think it's weird. <laughs> it's just odd yeah. when you actually when you actually think about it. Let's talk graphics. I mean, go for it. It's a it's a it's a wonderful, vibrant world. Uh, of many styles and many colours, and it's not one I'm particularly keen on. Um, okay. In the grand, in the grand scheme, grand, grand scheme of um, Mario, right? It, really, in the Woody Kingdom is when it really kind of hits home for me that I don't really 100 percent like the aesthetic of Mario's sure. kingdoms. I think they're a bit too. I don't know. Like I said, too I mentioned detailed. Sonic Adventure earlier on, and that kind of vibe of these cartoony characters being in what seems to be a photorealistic world, quasi realistic. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It kind of it doesn't work for me 100. percent And I, f- I feel like when I'm running around these kingdoms, I feel like if they put this amount of effort i.e. the secret mushroom kingdom, if they put this amount of effort into an actual mushroom kingdom, like, um, you know, the world itself, rather than the kingdom inside Mario Odyssey, it's hard to explain, but they remade the Mario 64-ish level in Mario Odyssey. It looks amazing. But then you go to, like, um, the Woody Kingdom, and it's all just, mm. like, you know, hard metals everywhere, and yeah. the, the Cascade Kingdom, which has got that giant T-Rex, it all kind of, st- uh, for me, it doesn't, I don't think of it fondly. I just think of it as it's something's happening in front of me. Yeah, I I, I agree with you, Darren. Um, oh, like good. the Wooded Kingdom in in particular looks mm. like a, a level from Near Automata. Like <laughs> it, it, I, I'm I'm half expecting some some uh, android Sad to come robots. out of the corner <laughs> to to quote uh, you know a level philosophy at me. And uh, but um, like I, I do think there are some kingdoms that, re- that that stand out visually. Like I think the Seaside Kingdom looks really really good, and that looks more like what I think you're after, Darren, which is mm-hmm. that that more really detailed cartoony look like everything's exaggerated everything's big and 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 chunky um i also like the luncheon kingdom as mm-hmm. well which yeah. is even even more abstract and weird but the stuff like like new donk city it's a weird i'm conflicted on new donk city because in terms of gameplay i think it has some of my favorite moments in the game but visually i've just i, I never 
quite got sold on New Donk City. Um, uh, you've already mentioned the Wooded Kingdom, but also stuff like like some of the boss arenas as well, like the Ruined Kingdom. As much as I appreciated like the <laughs> the Dark yeah. Souls nod, it so kind of looks a bit weird. Yeah, there was one more that I'm just scroll trying to find, but those those levels where like there's just more detail than you and it's not like obviously this is a switch game right so i'm not saying it compares to stuff that was on you know like equivalent exclusives on the ps4 and xbox one it's not that detailed but having that that really like sharp contrast between Mario's design, which looks like a Pixar cartoon versus New Donk City, which looks more like, you know, an early 360 game when they were trying to do, you know, open worlds. It's, Mm. it just clashes. Um, it just, it's a big, it's a big clash. And I would rather have seen more kingdoms like the seaside kingdom, like luncheon kingdom and like, you know, frankly, the Mushroom Kingdom, as Darren said, because it yeah. all feels more of a piece. Yeah, that, that kind of dissonance between all of them just confuses me. And it's kind of echoed throughout the actual character design as well. I, I can't quite pass how Mario fits in with some of the other inhabitants of the, the, yeah. the, the well, New Donk City in that case. But I think one thing I would say is at least each kingdom feels like completely distinct and uh, of, of itself. And, and I think that's something that helps me to kind of understand where I'm going to. I think the exception to that is the Seaside Kingdom and uh, I can't quite remember what it's called, I'm afraid, but the Water Kingdom, I, I sometimes I like just, some, yeah, like, get them confused yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think the lack of uniformity or even coherence was deliberate from yeah, what was, I've yeah. read Yeah, yeah. to give you a sense of visiting new places. And I think that comes, I think, you know, from that point of view, they deliberately made even the den- denizens of the, the different... Uh, the locations quite sort of different in terms of art style. And then, yeah, it becomes even more weird by late game when you've uh, finished everything. And then even once you've met up with uh, Peach everywhere, uh, like the Mushroom Kingdom is then full of, of people and wildlife from all the different worlds that you've been to, um, which I, you know, I think is a nice thing. And we'll talk about that sort of message of the game later. But uh, But yes, it is a bit of a kind of major hodgepodge, especially when you consider how kind of scientifically atomically contiguous the previous mario games tend to be in terms of looks yeah you know i, I really appreciate the bowser kingdom as well i forgot what it's is it just called bowser's kingdom i can't remember yeah. but the you know the japanese japanese style yeah. oh, it's brilliant like it looks amazing yeah I, can't, I was kind of hoping for more of a mario twist on it rather than you know a, a, a realistic twist but it still looks and sounds brilliant it's just not what i was really hoping for from a mario game and i think the thing that I- I want to, because I, I fear that I'm sounding a little negative right from the off. I think in isolation, all of these kingdoms do actually look great. Mm. It's just the clash that's weird. If the Wooded Kingdom was a whole different, like Nintendo game with a carrot, like a robot character, like literally like Nintendo's take on a near automata robot bouncing yeah. around and jumping around that area, I think you know I wouldn't have nearly as uh, big a problem with it. And I think that's where, like you know, Leon, you're talking about previous titles like like Mario Galaxy and and 3D World, where you do visit these like radically different environments. It's that that sense that even though you're you're discovering something new you're discovering something that uh, that uh feels weird and different it's all part of the same universe whereas yeah. this feels like 12 games glued together if that makes sense what i will say is it is uh i i 
you know, it is vibrant and, yeah. you know, the use of colour and the animation on the enemies, as always, is kind of you know, world class, especially some of the bosses. But what I will say is this game came out late 2017. And I think that was I think I'd had my PS4 Pro a little while at that point, but I didn't have a 4K screen um, until the following year. And I think that was around the time that the Xbox One X came out. And now here we are three years down the line. And uh, just on a technical level, having again, having played in in a way, it's unfair to compare, but my eyes and my brain will do this automatically after playing Astro's Playroom on the PS5. Yeah. You can actually come back to Mario Odyssey now and see that while it still looks pretty lovely in many ways, things like the 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 grass textures and and the 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 pointiness of some of the polygons on the hills and things like that you start to go oh wow so yeah even we always talk about it like yeah graphics can't get better than this i reckon when i first played mario odyssey i thought it was just in you know without talking about the the desire the artistic direction but but the just the art of it i probably thought mario can't ever look any better than this but now having seen some of the work with texture and um particles and volumetrics and lighting and things on the cut on the new the the more recent machines this 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 little you know hybrid handheld from 2017 based on some laptop tech from the mid 2010s is actually starting to just creak a little bit in some ways performance wise though on a technical sense like it runs at 60 frames almost all the time there's a few little stutters when you when you enter very busy areas like going into new donk city and stuff like that but also the one thing i really wanted to mention so super mario 64 in particular has and obviously those were the the relatively early days of polygonal 3d but that game has lived on and on and on beyond its natural life due to its many quirks and foibles and holes in the scenery and and all this kind of stuff super mario odyssey there's looking at the super mario wiki there is a list of three glitches in the entire game uh, and one of them is a camera lock you can get by talking to talker to the the hint bird one of them is a is a is a dog jumping glitch and the other one is something to do with the letters that you can possess in New Donk City. Nobody's found, to my knowledge, any kind of gaps in the scenery, any weirdness, any exploits, all that, which I just think is astonishing for such a massive game. It's it's absolutely incredible, especially when you consider how much freedom nintendo have given you with this particular iteration of mario like you can pull off some uh, we'll probably get into this later but you can pull off some incredible feats of acrobatics with with this control scheme and yet it's it's like yeah like with all my time with it i've never never had any issues whatsoever no, and that's what kind of makes, you know, I, would, I hate to sound like I'm a extreme Nintendo enthusiast here, but that's what makes Nintendo games there. You know what I mean? So when I, when I criticize the aesthetics of the kingdoms, it's only because, and it reminds me of when we were speaking about the Yoshi podcast, the um, Woolly World, when I mentioned the textures being slightly off, it's because oh, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're so high up here with Nintendo, especially Mario, yeah, that when yeah. it kind of judders a little bit, you're like, oh, no, I don't really like that. And it sticks out more because you're essentially living in this little bubble of perfection, ideally. Do you know what I mean? Like, if there's any free glitches in this game that's you know and, and the game's massive it's probably 10 times bigger than any other mario game that's been gone before yeah. this mm-hmm. to have three glitches says to me that the game is pretty much you know polished to its nth degree i think the game probably survives like i play it on on the big telly still generally out of preference just because that's how i like to play but mm-hmm. i suspect the visuals hold up better in handheld mode on the slightly smaller screen although they're running at a slightly lower resolution 
The music in the game is uh, chiefly the work of two composers, uh, Naoto Kubo, who uh, was uh, a relatively uh, recent addition to Nintendo's staff, uh, having worked on Captain Toad Treasure Tracker in 2014. Uh, it was his first Nintendo title. Did some of the Super Mario Maker stuff, although obviously a lot of that was already Koji Kondo's existing work. Uh, he was the composer responsible for the, the title theme and the opening and the Brudels and the songs Jump Up Superstar and possibly the, the other song as well. Also, really important to mention, Shiho Fuji uh, was one of the musicians responsible for music on New Super Mario Brothers Wii and You, but also Mario Kart 8. And she was responsible for some of the tunes that I think are probably slightly more controversial. Uh, I think Darren and I have already talked about this, the music that sounds like it might be from another game, which kind of makes sense, I suppose, given the, the disparity of the graphics, but things like the Shiveria tune and the, uh, and the seaside, uh, sorry, the, the lake, the lake kingdom, which to me always sounds very, very close to the Zora's domain music mm. from, uh, yeah. from Zelda. But personally, I absolutely, uh, I absolutely love her work. I nearly cried when I first heard the Shiveria tune when I when I jumped into that well and was in this sort of Christmas land with these cuddly spherical seals and there was this joyous fl fluty music playing. Um, but yeah, I think between them, uh, again, as always, there's actually a music player in this game, but there's a ridiculous amount of um, of music to enjoy of all all genres, pretty much. I mean, the, yeah. the music in this game is so it's so good that when you say just the name titles, my head just starts playing them in my head. Like even like even the Brutal's theme tune, like it's just an airship coming towards you, but I can hear it. I can hear it in my head. And um, yeah, it's um, I, I really like all the music in this game. I don't think there's anyone where you just think oh, that's a bit, you know, maybe the Lost Kingdom. Where it's just like you know more ambient kind of noises from a jungle but otherwise it's quite a, a solid uh soundtrack indeed yeah i i think it's uniformly excellent even the tracks that have been noted as controversial i really really love obviously jump up superstar is like the most played track but i think there's a reason for it it's just like really really catchy and it's and I feel like it really, even though like I don't associate Mario with like pop music in that way. No. I think it does a good job of evoking this series and evoking what yeah. what people love about this series. And mm. yeah, I think I think there's a reason why it's become what it's become. Um, yeah, I just absolutely like uh, as much as I have issues with the visuals of this game aesthetically. I think audibly uh, in terms of the music, it's just uh, it's a tour de force. Well, the music's good. I think there's like one or two odd choices. So in in the Wooda Kingdom, there's almost this sort of like surf music, like Mesa Lou by Dick Dale. I'm not entirely sure what that has to do with what's going on there. It's a really great track, but yeah, it feels it's a kind of kind of odd. It, that's yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, it's a sort of yeah, 60s, 70s hippie surf guitar kind of situation. It's also the kingdom in which there are the robots that look very much like the three droids Huey, Dewey, and Louie from the uh, from the kind of hippie oh, sci-fi film yeah. Silent Running. So I think there's a whole kind of. I think the idea is that the whole place is a kind of. I think it's like an that word we don't use so much anymore, but it's it's a sort of ecological uh, kind of thing. And and I think they they kind of. It's a slight tangent to go for surf guitar from there, but I think the whole thing is meant to give off the vibe of kind of. Yeah, uh, like retro future, almost sixties ness. Yeah, but yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and retro future. 
Yeah, it's, it's there are there are some weird and interesting choices for sure, and of course, eight bit remixes of almost everything mm. because of the two D classic sections that you just uh, almost seamlessly go into from the three D world. Though a lot of those are very enjoyable as well, I think. Sound design wise, again, there's almost so much sound in the game, the representing the environment and Mario's actions. I, I mean, yeah, there's like. Uh, it's not necessarily something that I would infuse about unto itself, but you can be sure that if any of it was like badly wrong, you would find it incredibly aggravating because, it's, you know, I don't know what you guys playtime on this is, but mine's about 70 hours now. And so even like, even if the music, which you can actually, you can start to change it around to your own tastes if you want. Things like the collecting noises and the wahoos and woohoos, you know, maybe some of those get a bit tired. Charles Martinet still giving it his all at whatever age he is now. But uh, uh, any thoughts on the environmental sounds and spot effect? I mean, there's one for me like that stands out. It's when, and it kind of goes hand in hand with the music itself being so enjoyable, you know, for the majority, is that Mario starts doing like a little funny shuffle whenever he gets excited with the music around him. So when he gets yeah. next to like a, what seems to be like an 80s boom box, for example, he does like a, a very quirky shuffle that just kind of yes. just sets off the whole mood of the game for me. It's just like, yep, this game's fun and Mario knows it. Nintendo.com on the gameplay. Thanks to heroic hat-shaped Cappy, Mario's got new moves that'll make you rethink his traditional run and jump gameplay, like cap jump, cap throw and capture. Use captured cohorts such as enemies, objects and animals to progress through the game and uncover loads of hidden collectibles. You ain't kidding. And if you feel like playing with a friend, just pass them a Joy-Con controller. Player 1 controls Mario while Player 2 controls Cappy. This sandbox-style 3D Mario adventure, the first since 1996's beloved Super Mario 64 and Nintendo uh, 2002's Nintendo GameCube classic Super Mario Sunshine, is packed with secrets and surprises, plus exciting new kingdoms to explore. There's quite a lot to talk about here. So it's interesting that they pitched it as a as kind of a direct follow up in its sandboxiness to 64 and Sunshine, almost kind of dis- disregarding in, in that sense, in that sort of game philosophy design, 3D world and the Galaxy games. Uh, how do you... How do you feel about that? They're considered more linear, aren't they? Like Galaxy is so focused in terms of yeah. choose a level and that's it. Like, And I think Odyssey's like the complete opposite end of the spectrum because it's more like Banjo-Kazooie, right? You can grab any yes. of the moons or jiggies and you're not thrown out of the level. I, I still feel like 64 and Sunshine, when you go back to them with the 3D All-Stars package, they actually feel a bit more linear than what I was remembering because you, yeah. you're sure you can grab the stars in any order, but once you've got them, you're chucked back out of, into the overworld. Yes. Yeah. Whereas Odyssey... And Banjo-Kazooie, they keep you in the world, which I've, I prefer because it makes you more attached to the kingdoms, the the realms within Gruntilda's Lair, for example. So, yeah, I mean, I appreciated the fact that they were going back to, I mean, that they go they go back to it so much that you end up revisiting one of the kingdoms, like we said earlier, the, the Mushroom Kingdom, and you get stars instead of moons. It's all aesthetic changes. But, yeah, they really went for it, didn't they? And, um, yeah, I, I appreciated it, like, in terms of just moon collecting and... Uh, it, it, yeah, I think it was what we were all, well, personally speaking, after the Mario Galaxy games and stuff, I think we were all kind of yearning for a, a grander adventure again in terms of, well, here's, here's all your <laughs> things, like here's, here's your world, go for it kind of thing. And um, yeah, and I, I think we got it more so than what I was expecting anyway. I, I, you know, it hadn't occurred to me that 
the the kind of return to a sandbox was like a in response to like a use case because for me I, i'd always thought that it was because of the the nature of what the switch was for like when i think of, about a switch it, it's, a, it's something that i'll bring with me on a journey something that i might be picking up and playing like very sporadically and with a staccato yeah, nature yeah. as opposed yeah. to something that needs focus i mean i've I played mario galaxy in the uh, 3d all-stars recently um for the first time in a long time and, and those levels are way longer and and for my taste much more enjoyable than what we've got here the some uh, stars and and the the kind of the frequency with which you can pick up moons in Mario Odyssey isn't necessarily agreeable with my tastes and certainly isn't something that I necessarily want. They absolutely did design the game partly around being a handheld game, a being a portable game, uh, which they they explicitly said like, yes, we just wanted to make some moons collectible when you're on a short hop you know, subway ride or whatever, and you just, you know, f- locate one and pound the ground and get it. Whether we all think that service, the game and the experience overall well, I'm not so sure, Josh. Yeah. I like, I, cause there, there, there are positives and negatives to it. I think in terms of like compelling me to keep going and to, you know, just one more moon, just one more moon. Yeah, I think sure. it's like Odyssey is extremely Moorish in its design that approach this kind of sandbox approach whereas like it's compelling me to keep going it it's got a dearth in comparison to the galaxy games of like really memorable moments of like platforming joy and those moments do come like i'm hearing people atting me on twitter like there are definitely like um obstacle course moments in odyssey that are absolute joy but the frequency of them as compared to like especially like galaxy one and two like it, it it's it's moving away from what, and this is entirely personal. I appreciate different, you know, different strokes for different folks. But for me, like what I love about Mario is those kind of like, man, I got through that moment. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I managed to get through that obstacle course. There are there are those moments here, but they're just less of them. And I and I would hope going forward that like, like later entries will have more of those again. So. Cappy's Cappy's existence, uh, so for those who don't know, Mario's hat becomes effectively possessed by an alien. Is that right? I don't know. Um, (laughs) For for reasons. And that gives Mario perhaps his biggest, widest moveset of all. But what's interesting to me is like I've seen good players playing this and, and doing the the, the hardest stuff that is in the game, you do need some of those extra skills. But really the game only fully demands of you that you command those skills at its absolute extremes like maybe there's like there's one jump in one of the cooper foot races that you'll need to do to beat the second cooper foot race with the gold super gold uh, cooper there's one time you'll need to do a long jump hat throw bounce off the hat type maneuver which is the kind of I guess the high skill ceiling stuff that you see the really good players online doing. Uh, But the rest of it, you can do almost all of it with a fairly, fairly much the fundamentals. You need a bit of reverse flip jump and stuff like that. But a lot of it actually goes almost unused and it's down to you whether you 
whether you want to employ it or not. Yeah, there's a move they've um, added to this game where you do a ground pound and jump immediately afterwards for like a boost up in the yeah, air. Yeah, I'd forgotten I about really that. used it. No, because I'm more of a like a backflip or in yeah. sunshine, I spin the stick a lot and do the, um, you know, the, the 360, or not 360, it's like a 1080, I guess. He just goes crazy on, on the spot. But yeah, there's um, there's a lot of extra moves in here, like the forward roll down the hills. It's, it's a nice touch, but I much prefer watching Mario put his hands out like he's an aeroplane bombing down the hill instead. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on in here and I feel like playing... I've played a lot of Mario in the run-up to the, um, uh, the 3D All-Stars and then playing 3D All-Stars as well. You really appreciate just how good Mario feels in Mario Odyssey because <laughs> like, even going back to 64 and Sunshine, I'm like, oh dear, not really enjoying this as much as I used to. Yeah, so he's got- well less twitchy than in uh, Sunshine. He's mm. slightly slower than in Galaxy, I would say, just slightly heavier, but not as uh, kind of going back to the basics as 64. Would that yeah. be fair? In Galaxy, though, he had more of a turning circle. Like, if right. you wanted him, because it kind of went for yeah. games at that era, for me, like GTA 4 and, and Galaxy, if you wanted to turn your character around and Red Dead Redemption as well, you had to kind of like yeah. feel like you're an actual human in terms of p- pivoting. I do feel like Mario in, in Odyssey, he's um he's as good as he, you'd ever want him to be, really. He's, he's really nimble if you want him to be. He's, he's all the things that you want a, you know, a platforming character to be. I love it. I think it's great. And the, the long jump into the hat, into the hat throw double mechanic is just, when you do that in New Donk City off a, off a tall skyscraper, you do feel... And we should say no fall damage in this. So you go back to Mario 64 and you fall off a high ledge and it's, oh, yeah. and uh, uh, here you just, your knees judder and off you go. Yeah, he gets a wicked little animation, doesn't he? And um, to go back to what Rich was saying earlier, like the animation in this game, they love it. They know it's good, right? And uh, when he face plants in Cascade Kingdom and, um, you know, his nose wobbles when he pulls it out of the sand, it does remind me of Mario 64 <laughs> on the intro screen, but it's like mm. they've upped it to, you know, 11, so to speak. And it's just like, yep, they really know what they're doing with Mario in this. Uh, to quickly go back to the um, me fe- my feelings on Mario Odyssey as an actual game, a sandboxy game, I feel like people were constantly after Mario 1 128 Mario 128 <laughs> ever and ever and ever right and we got sunshine it was like well that's not what we were wanting actually Mario 128 turned into Pikmin yeah, where's, where's the sequel to Mario 64 is what people are after and right. Galaxy 1 and 2 they, they are they're amazing right even playing Galaxy 1 again this year all the stars brilliant fun it's just and then they brought out Odyssey and you're like what if I just ground pound the floor I get a moon like it's yeah. that's, that's yeah. like the equivalent of just like putting your hand in a cereal packet and getting a toy do you know what I mean like <laughs> that to me isn't isn't what Mario is about and I yeah. the way they talk about the game being so accessible for travellers who go around you know from trains to buses all the vehicles in the real world if you use them and you, you want to get some moons on the, on, your, on the go during your commute it kind of flies in the face that they've got 900 moons in the game do you know what I mean like oh yeah we want to take a bite size but it's the biggest Mario ever you just think well what the, uh, uh, so sure really, options are great so we don't have almost too generous a package yeah. I think and I think, maybe yeah. some of the levels are too big as well Leon, you mentioned a little bit earlier about um, like the, the sort of range of movesets that you, you I mean you don't really need to employ and I think there's like a nice correlation there with, with the fact that they exist but they don't really necessarily bring anything to the game and, and, and I think for me what I would say is this game is really easy like noticeably easier than some of the older Marios and what I was thinking as I was playing is you know you, you can kind of maneuver through this game and pick up some of the easiest moons as possible but it's a very long time for, for me and I consider myself to be a really like mundane moderate mediocre gamer before I found anything that was remotely challenging and so mm. I don't know I was going to ask you because you did the hard stuff the, the, the end game which I know is slightly more generous than in terms of giving you health and, and 
whatever than some of its predecessors. Is it uh, the master course or whatever it's called in 3D World and, and the, the, the final, final, final bit in Galaxy 2, like notoriously some of the most challenging bits of Mario. This is considerably more friendly or or e- just just say it's easier so, so i found it easier how good how good did you have to get to get to to, to do it all would you say did, did you did you ascend to a new level of skill because i haven't done as i say like i've had a quick look at that stuff but i suspect i could do it because i did everything in in galaxy but i haven't committed to it i'm not sure why i i, I, I don't know <laughs> it's the short answer i mean i went on the slack at the time and and, and made a kind of uh, proclamation about how I didn't find it anywhere near as difficult as Super Mario mm-hmm. 3D World. I think it, mm-hmm. it really only, it, I was prepared to spend an entire week just ramming my head against this level over and over and over again until I did it. And I think it took me an evening, uh, maybe even just a couple of hours of, of just kind of really thinking things through. But for the most part, it's because if you know what you're doing and you kind of have some mastery over the moveset, there's a lot of stuff that you can do there, which kind of gets you out of trouble where there's it's quite a kind of limited moveset in Super Mario 3D World. So I guess that would be my uh, oh, 3D World, the champion road one. Oh, my days. I, I still haven't done it. It's, 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 oh, wow. I, I feel like it's like a 20 minute impossible nightmare. It's coming it's, out again soon. Get another chance. Yeah, I'm going to try it again because I will, or will be buying it again for some Switch shenanigans. Well, this is why on. I found this quote from, uh, from the, from Miyamoto. Uh, so interesting again from Super Mario Wiki uh, when asked about coming home to the Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Sunshine style of gameplay Shigeru Miyamoto explained that when he was developing Super Mario 64 with Yoshiaki Koizumi they realised that the title would be more directed towards the core gamer rather than the casual pick up and go gamer after Super Mario Sunshine their focus reshifted to a more accessible casual gamers, hence encouraging them to make Super Mario Galaxy with more progression-oriented gameplay corridors. Then, in recent years, we made Super Mario 3D World, and even though that's a 3D game, it's a little more accessible to everybody. So when we thought about making a Mario for Switch, we wanted to make it something a little bit more on the core side that people who like action games can really get into. This seems completely converse to my my personal takes on the difficulties or the core and the casual of these games. Odyssey feels like the casual one to me compared to galaxy and world, yeah, which, agreed. which seem far more. Yeah. It's odd. It's almost like they conflate. Maybe it's, maybe it's a translation thing. Maybe it's a culture thing. They conflate the big open world, the map mopping, the tick lists with core gaming because they're popular in the West in particular, uh, Ubisoft games and whatever else, rather than actually, what I might think of as the challenging stuff, which was getting every single star in Galaxy, that I yeah. know that um, a lot of people just would not have the patience to do. Weirder. Yeah, it is a strange one, absolutely. Um, God, that's a podcast in itself, isn't it? But um, yeah. in terms of like, again, I'm going to mention Banjo-Kazooie again, but when you start throwing hats on things in Mario Odyssey, it reminds me of when in Banjo-Kazooie, when you go to see Mumbo-Jumbo and you get transformed yeah. into things that yeah. help you jump around the world. Oh, like absolutely. Like if there was a Mario game that would appeal to me even more so than any other, it would be this because, you know, it, it reminded me of that so much that you couldn't, I just couldn't help but just like, stop. How they've, I'm a frog. I'm now a bullet bill. I'm now all the bad guys in Mario games that you fought yeah, so many times before. Much. Like the whole captain Stack mechanic is just, it's just genius. That, that That's, that's the thing for me is that, 
even though I, I totally agree with Rich, like the, the level of challenge. When we're talking challenge here, I'm not expecting it to be like, you know, rock hard. I'm not expecting Super Meat Boy, but just like the even level of challenge I've expected, you know, previously, it's not really there. But in terms of novelty, in terms of like constantly engaging me with new ideas and new things, I think it kind of make it sort of not all the way, but kind of sort of makes up for the lack of challenge just through that inventiveness and that creativity through the the cappy possessions. Um, and uh, like like there are so many memorable memorable enemies, like the the bird enemy in um, in the <laughs> the Bowser Kingdom yeah, that the nose with stabs the beak, its yeah. beak into the wall. That's so entertaining and funny. And the octopus in the in the the sun uh, the uh, beach beach kingdom. It the, all of that stuff like is really creative. The little and plant fun. pop the way they go pop. Like almost, I always expect these things to be less fun than being Mario. But in this case. Most of them are as much fun, uh, yeah. at least at least in the doses they give them to you. The, the bulby looking guy whose who's leg stretches up in the Willy yeah, Kingdom, yeah, yeah. and he does like a forward flip when you get to the maximum yeah. height. Oh, it's just every. I feel like every single um, creature that you can possess, it does what you wanted it to do, and it doesn't go any further than that. It doesn't try too hard to be like, "Well, look how crazy we are!" You're now a squid. No, like the squid can go up and it can go forwards, and then it loses water as you fire it out of the water. It everything feels like. Oh, that's what it's like to be a bullet bill, of course. That's what it's like to be a hammer brother, you know, <laughs> in terms of like being a massive jerk. You know, oh, I'm now one of these. I can oh, they're so bouncy when you walk. You can't walk with them. They just hop. It's so annoying. <laughs> but that's just like in the game, right? They're yep. always hopping. They're always Completely. chucking hammers. And that's exactly what you do. And then if you're playing Joy-Con wise, you can just shake it to go even faster. And that's kind of, um, that's kind of, again, one of the things that I took, you know, a slight negative is that if you're not playing in a certain way, you don't get the four abilities of these creatures because it says, oh, shake this to go faster or do this yeah. to do that. And I'm thinking, well, if I can't do that, then is that game going to then start penalising me for not... It never does, I don't think. They're it all optional. Like it. But I, I did, we should mention the the waggle because pe- there were so many people who, even though the Wii was you know, incredibly successful commercially and Super Mario Galaxy sold a lot of units, the amount of times I came across, quotes core gamers who were saying, oh, I couldn't play it because the waggle... And I was like, but it's one of the best Mario games ever. Um, this game still has some waggle in it, but everyone bought it and played it anyway. Perhaps the waggle is mostly more optional, but I still end up like, even with the pro controller, just accidentally flinging my hat sometimes and stuff like that. I would just happily, it's like, ah, oh, thank goodness Mario's got classic controls again, except he hasn't really. <laughs> Let's hear from some correspondence at this juncture. We got Blue Weasel Breath from the forum who says Super Mario Odyssey represents a bunch of my favourite adult gaming memories. I don't think he means that kind of adult gaming. I hadn't played the 3D Mario since 64, so the whole spectacle dazzled me from the bright, clean visuals to the great soundtrack. The Danny Elfman-esque theme of the first area was terrific, but it was really when the epic music of the second world kicked in that I really got that sense of childlike wonder. I also had the experience of playing a complete game with my wife, which rarely ever occurs as she's not a huge gamer. So that's another fun memory. She mainly played as Cappy and we do a few hours of Mario every night before bed. In between many story, uh, main story sections, I'd mess around in handheld mode on my own to complete the collectathon, but I would rarely do any major milestones without her there. After we beat Bowser together, 
I went back and 100%ed the game on my own. And I can say as someone who made it through the Star World in Super Mario World and finished all the Yoshi's Island content back in the day, that the final darker side of the moon level was one of the hardest Mario levels I've ever played. Big feeling of achievement there when I finally got through it. Lots of rude words were uttered along the, along the way. I haven't gone back to the game since they added the Luigi balloon stuff, but the time I spent with the game is full of nothing but happy memories. And so for me is a quintessential Nintendo experience. So the subjectivity of difficulty there, somebody who has done the tough stuff in some of the other Marios and still found the darker side genuinely challenging. Alex79UK says, this is a special game to me. My middle son is four. and While we've played the odd Lego game here and there, he'd never really got into a game before this. From watching his frustration, wrestling with the controls and to finally mastering them and even completing the 500 moon challenge was just amazing. He'd watch YouTube videos to learn all the different moves and check guides to find the odd moon he was struggling with before loading up the game and putting what he'd learned into action. He felt so proud of himself. He'd get so excited every time he found a new moon and his collecting has way surpassed my own save. I think I'm on about 350 moons while he's topping 700. It's been brilliant playing together, trying to work out puzzles or how to defeat bosses. And as much fun as I had playing the game on my own, it was playing together that really made this experience special. I think he's got some sort of esports legend in the making here. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so. Uh, Rich, what what are the ages of ages of the children that you played with, and what what was the sort of what were the varying responses? So the, at the at the point that came out, we would have been uh, ten. Uh, ooh, quick maths, Rich. Uh, Sorry about this. Six <laughs> and and four, and they've kind of picked it up roughly around about the same age, so between eight and ten, and they've. It's it's weird because here and Darren talked to to us before about Ivy and her relationship with the sort of creative side. Like two of my three children, I've been on the record of saying have autism, and they kind of obsess over the the kind of nuance of of the world and the law and such. And, and it's something they've been able to to sort of like just dive into and, and stew in for a, a very long time, and to to some extent still do. Yeah, so they're, they're really positive with um with that in the same way Alex seventy nine UK mentioned. And Dom's Beard, also from the forum, myself and my three-year-old had our first proper gaming experience together with this. We started off with me as Mario and him as Cappy, high-fiving each other every time we got a moon, a habit we still do even on moon 600. The assist mode is great and more games need to do this. He now plays it fully on his own and it is amazing how different things look through a kid's eyes. It's, it's, it's amazing that Nintendo, you know, after all these years, they're still creating memories for children. Like, stuff like that is just, like, it's it's great. Like, and, um, you know, I have these moments with Ivy, like, when she read the word moon on the screen, because when you get the more important moons, they do, like, a little flashy animation, you know, and, and they, they jump towards the screen, and it gives you a little timestamp of when you caught you know, caught the moon, when you, when you got the moon. And she was like, oh, that says moon. And I'm just like, my God, she's reading. <laughs> so, like, it, these things just, like, they just blow your mind. It had it happen yeah. in Spyro, the trilogy um, remake they did on Xbox, where she started just saying the numbers that flew out of the gems when you picked them up. And I'm like, she knows what a number 10 is, and she's only two. Like, <laughs> these kids, they just they astound me every day. JC Van Dan from the forum says this was the first game my son showed some real interest in. He was only two and a half or so at the time, so he couldn't play it. But every day without fail, it was Daddy wants see dinosaur on Mau Mau. I had some real fun seeing his genuine fear as the T-Rex stalked me around the lower woods area. Yeah. At one point, he actually cried until I climbed the beanstalk to escape. He was oh, so God. scared. Oh, how I laughed. 
<laughs> it's quite terrifying though, isn't it? It's like survival horror, that bit. It is a bit N64-y down <laughs> there with all the fog. <laughs> I eventually got bored at around 550 moons and I didn't finish the darker side as it was just too goddamn hard. However, I just checked my playtime and it's at 50 hours, which is absolutely incredible to me considering I rarely replay games or play after I've finished the main campaign. I think that's testament to the pure joy and fun inherent in the game. Caliburn M says, I found the game less fun than 3D World and Galaxy, partly due to the levels, which sometimes seemed too large and with too little variation. But my main issue was with the perspective, which seemed somewhat off, making the 3D platforming irritating at times. Not sure exactly what the issue was, but I always felt unsure of where I was landing in comparison to the earlier games. It wasn't bad, just not quite right. Hmm. Anyone know what Caliburn's talking about? You know, so there's a couple of examples in this game where, where my kind of depth perception just fails me, and it's mostly when you're uh-huh. like using the frog. And I know oh, that I'm yeah. following, for example, my shadow, but the jump is so kind of alien yeah. and, and foreign yeah. to my mind that I just have no concept of, of where to land. So I wonder if that's what Caliburn M's referring to. Again, I think uh, we, we talked about this before with, I think it was Pilot Wings, where we were talking about how the more the more graphics have advanced, obviously, the more visual information you're being given. And so it gets easier. So in some ways, obviously, early 3D platformers would often have just a little you know, black circle or something to rec- uh, represent your shadow. Uh, and sometimes it wasn't always present, but you know, different games have tried different solutions. But I think the the overall 3D-ness of graphics or our, our there no, you know, no graphics are any more 3D. Like Demon Souls is on the PS5 is no more actually 3D than Pong. <laughs> um, but uh, the the tricks effectively that they use to uh, to convince our brains, that even even if you wouldn't necessarily think about it in this way, or perhaps I just hadn't, it's all the stuff like the particle effects, the volumetrics, the lighting, the, the ref, ref, reflection technology and stuff like that. So now when I fire up Demon's Souls on the PS5, it almost feels like virtual reality, especially if you've come off the back of playing something from a previous couple of gens ago, because all that information is being given to you. And so again, playing Astro, Astro's Playroom on the PS5, I think all that extra visual information that the the new tech is leveraging, I think maybe like the next Mario will do even better with things like depth perception because they'll be able to throw more more complex visual information at us. Am I making any sense? What I would say is there's there's actually more characters, there's more kind of interactive and, and playable, like, I guess, um, things that you can capture. So that kind of consistency between each of, of those makes it very difficult for, for me in particular, I find a to kind of judge distance and such. And I'm, I'm thinking of a couple of examples, maybe probably the most pertinent one is when you inhabit or you take over a bullet bill or a banzai bill and you're moving towards something quite often. I, yeah. I don't have a good sense of how far away that thing is in front of me. And even though the likelihood of me hitting, it seems slim for some reason, I just find myself piling into the side of it almost every time i i do wonder how much of this is also to do with like how much control you have over the camera versus you know titles immediately before this like i think about you know super mario 3d world you you have very limited control over the camera in that game absolutely never ever had this issue and i think it's because the camera was always framed in exactly the place it needed to be in order to 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 convey the distance to convey that depth 
that was was needed um, to to make an accurate jump. Whereas here, you have so much more control over what you're seeing, and thus that perfect angle. Some like sometimes as a player, you kind of do it intuitively, which is yeah. why like it's a rare issue. But like every once in a while, the camera's just in the wrong place, and your brain just can't make the connection. I'd be interested to see because uh, I think this may have been the first game of its type with the sec with the camera being controlled fully on the second analog that my niece may have played. I'm going to be very interested because uh, she's getting 3D All Stars for Christmas. How she's going to cope with 64 and Sunshine with those cameras now? Whether <laughs> she's actually going to manage it. But it was one of the things that I read about was uh, one of the things that that they. I think one of the reasons they consider this a more core experience. Coming back to that quote was because the player is required to control the camera, which is still something that if you give a, a controller to uh, a, a non-gamer or uh, somebody who's only played. Candy Crush on their phone, controlling 3D camera in a 3D space is still really difficult. It's like patting your head and rubbing your tummy simultaneously is that kind of thing. Uh, so Galaxy has no camera control whatsoever, I don't think, from the player. It's 100%. Am I am I wrong about that? You can I'm... go first person to get an idea of where you are. Right. Okay. But it's almost like you never need, you don't actually ever need to manipulate it in the entire game. Whereas this, I suppose, by the nature of the sandbox, they felt it was necessary to, because otherwise it would be bouncing off things and going behind things and, and whatever else. Didn't they say them, they trusted players more now because of Minecraft, right? The kids were playing Minecraft That's with, right. with the yes. camera controls. So therefore, yes. you have more control of, of the character in Odyssey, yeah. So that, yeah, that makes sense because Monies would have played Minecraft before this, yeah. Rager from the forum as as uh, in response to Mario's locomotion says Nintendo seemed to have found the sweet spot between the weighty Mario in 64 and the turn on a sixpence Mario of sunshine which consequently makes exploring and getting around the levels a blast so that's more in line with yeah. what I was thinking gotcha got mm -hmm. it certainly close for me I'm still just slightly a galaxy guy for whatever reason health and dying well uh, it's ostensibly on the surface the same as galaxy I think in that you have Three hits by default, pick up hearts to top that up. Uh, what's interesting here is finally, I think, is this the first time or is, is it the first core Mario game where they've finally done away with one ups and live counters, life counters? Um, it feels like Mario games in the past have had one ups and you've gone, well, why? Because all yeah. it's going to do is game over me and put me back to where I was going to yeah. be anyway. I remember yes. feeling the same way in Conker's Bad Fur Day. It's like, why have I got lives in this narrative driven platform? It's kind yeah. of, it felt a bit archaic. So yes. to yeah. see my only penalty was 10 coins yeah. off my total. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm, you know, I might miss the noise of a one up, but I'd much rather take that than game over back to the front end for no real reason it does feel strange losing a health in a 2d mario context as well especially one with the eight bits and yeah i don't ah, know if that's just a familiar interesting thing or not. interesting you should raise that because in the data mining the small mario sprite was found so that suggests that they backed away from going i guess again just looking at the overall difficulty of the game having you die as small mario in the 2d sections how would they have handled that? Yeah. Would they have put you back to the start of the 2D section or what? Anyway, yeah. yeah it seems at odds with the kind of like, yeah. almost like, I mean, this game isn't very punitive really. So perhaps that's just no. why they thought, look, let's keep it. In, Shout in out to them for including 8-bit versions of every single of the many, many costumes in the entire game for the 8-bit section. So I think what, whatever you're wearing, 
pretty much if you go into if you go into the 2D section it will be reflected in there yeah and the 8-bit Bowser of course reminds me of Mario Maker that way on the downside though I noticed this earlier and so uh, pre-order cancelled when you're on the moon there's a, there's a little dog that or, or dogs that appear in multiple of the kingdoms uh, and they will help you uncover buried treasure if you throw your your cappy he'll catch it in a cute dog frisbee fashion now i can forgive the fact that it always turns back into red cappy it doesn't stay as your astronaut helmet or your judge's wig or whatever else but on the moon the dog is wearing a space helmet with the visor down how is he catching cappy in his teeth <laughs> disgraceful i know dear shigeru miyamoto like spider-man puddles all over again yeah yeah in terms of the health right is this the first mario game or first 3d mario game where coins don't replenish Am yeah, I, I think I misremembering? so. Coins are literally just now coins. They are currency. For the first time ever, you go into a shop and you spend them on costumes and bits and bobs. And many, many moons, if you wish. Yeah, indeed. We're coming up to that time. Carl the Frog from the forum says, Unfortunately, I think this is the game that made me realise maybe I don't like platformers. I couldn't help but think a low difficulty platformer with ability swapping by controlling enemies. That's Kirby's thing. What's going on here? I beat the game in a lazy way. If the term walking simulator is meant to be an insult, then I think Mario Odyssey might be a jumping simulator for me. I ended up selling my game, something I never normally do, for about $10 in a Singaporean second-hand shop. In Singapore, they have hawker centres where you can find Michelin star restaurants in little stalls for about half that about half that price. I ended up having much more affection for a couple of meals than I did with my time with Super Mario Odyssey. That being said, it's a high quality game that the whole family can enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a that was a pivot I wasn't expecting. Yeah, yeah um, I must admit, I do like food as well. It's true, yes. Uh, but I can't say I haven't had value for money out of my uh, £48 or whatever I, I spent. I have tasted my Switch cartridge, though. It does taste yummy. <laughs> I've still not done that. Three years, three and a half years down the line. I'm just, I'm scared. So, yeah, we've already sort of touched on this. Uh, the the Power Moons and their lack of value compared to the stars and shines and, and yeah. power stars, whatever else, in other games. I'm not saying that I don't still get a little dopamine hit or buzz when i get even a really crummy hidden back of the sofa back of the sofa power moon yeah some of them are literally just like jump up this block here's a power star but then you've got other ones so here's one that struck me uh for an example if you were and yes i did go back to um to guides we'll talk about getting the tips and stuuff for some of these so for every one that you just literally hop up a ledge and it's floating there there's one right so you go to the the, the the steam gardens the the wood woodland kingdom whatever it is uh there's a whole area of that kingdom which is never explicitly told to the player which i thought was a nice nintendo style secret so the first time you fall off the edge i guess this must happen to almost everyone is that you try one of the challenges around the edge of the arena and you fall off you find yourself in the underworld the domain the dark domain of the of another t-rex but there's a moon in there where you have to go to a certain mound, wait for an invisible enemy to appear, possess it, and then fire 500 coins at a little spigot of plant in a water and get a moon that way. That sounds like something out of a Nintendo game from 1991. 
So I, I guess my point is, isn't it weird how some of these moons are just like, here you go. And some of them are like, you'll never work this one out. And what is it with the like relationship with the invisible things? Like what you get for defeating the darker side of the moon is an invisible cap, which turns Mario invisible. Great. It's absolutely useless. Like it serves <laughs> no purpose. It's like getting the poo for getting all the Korok seeds. Mm. I, I, I do think like what, what you're speaking about there, Leon, is I want to cater to both because there's kind of a divide yeah, right. in the yeah. Mario audience, right? And there's like a want to want to cater mm-hmm. to both. Want I want to cater to those who are much more just let's have a fun ride and and I want that dopamine hit versus what I think the you know at least uh, three quarters of this um, this panel is after, which is that kind of delayed gratification of a really hard earned tantric Mario. Star. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. The Josh train derailed. Then, yeah, no, exactly. Because you know, this is a Mar- yeah, Mario show, so I wasn't really expecting Leon to ambush me with that. <laughs> but here we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there are eight hundred and eighty mission moons. So compare that to even if uh, so, a normal playthrough of Super Mario Galaxy would be one hundred and twenty, as it was in sixty four. Can't remember the shines. Is that the same? I think it is. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. Uh, in Galaxy, you could replay the game with Luigi and then get two more at the end mm-hmm. uh, for 242, which is the, the maximum. And that was a real, that was like a 60 hour effort for me to do that. Uh, but I, I loved it. In this game, 880 kind of mission moons. And then I'm sure somebody out there's done this, but there's no need. So you can buy one moon from every shop in every kingdom, but it lets you carry on buying them. So you can collect and it will track up to 99 moons from each shop. So that gives you a total of 1,274 trackable non-mission moons, meaning that in total you could get... 2,154 moons in this game. I think the Odyssey, which we we haven't even said, the Odyssey is the hat-shaped ship that carries you from world to world, in case you don't know. Uh, only That only goes up to 999, doesn't it? I'd love to see a YouTube video of all of their moons going in at once, though. If you could, I wondered someone... if you, you can't do that, can you? Because you need some to travel, but you could do most of them. Doesn't the screen just fill with icons then though if you there must I, I be a think, limit i think there's a video out there of like hundreds of moons going in at once and oh, it takes really? about 20 minutes yeah but it's not <laughs> it's not it's not thousands but it's definitely up there and it does make you laugh wow. in that way we're like um yeah. you know where a joke goes on for too long it's not funny and then it's funny again it's just one of those weird andy moments Cal- andy kaufman does mario is um <laughs> or Stuart lee is there uh is it 99 coins per moon in the shop? Is it 100? It's, it's, not, it's, it's one or the other, yeah, obviously. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, I think it's 100. So you'd have to save up uh, 10,000 coins near enough to empty every shop of trackable moons. And you generally want your money for costumes, some of which actually have a gameplay purpose, some of which are just, just for funsies. That's a lot of balloons to find, eh, Luigi? Yeah. What a miserable experience that, that would be. Oh, well, like, I think it. I think so, but some people get weirdly obsessed about this stuff, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, like the, the amount of moons in this game, I think we mentioned it before, but I, there are some really good, satisfying moments. And it, but it's not really down to actually picking the moon up itself. It's how it's how you find it, right? And like just thinking about like the um 
the Lake Kingdom, there's plenty of zips that are really satisfying to use in that. So you you have you know you cap it onto a oh, zip yeah, yeah, and yeah. you unzip the level and it's like oh that's more satisfying to me than actually hmm. picking up the moon and seeing the number go up. But in previous Mario games like Galaxy. Like the amount of uh, elation you get when it goes from like 107 oh, to yeah. 108 because yeah. you've just cracked this nut and it's just totally. like, oh man, like what a feeling. Whereas in this, it's more about the actions that the game's giving you. Like I said, with the zip or with like a, a weird fork stuck in the side of a wall or something like that, you know, like that's the fun part for me. It's not really seeing this number go up because it seems to be forever going up. And after a while, you just get numb to it. Well, at least I did anyway. There's still one, there's a list of everything you can possess in the game. It's like 50 odd things, maybe more. Uh, there's still one I haven't got. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> How do you know you ain't got it then? It's on the, well, it's on the, it's, there's a list and there's a gap, there's a blank one. Okay. I thought you meant there's a list on the line and you were looking through it. I haven't got that one. It's probably Captain Toad <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Brazenhead89 from the forum says, I've never felt more conflicted in a Mario game that I have with Super Mario Odyssey. I found it to be a remarkably lopsided game, which achieves some exceptional things, yet blows its load entirely too early for the player to appreciate them. Playing through the campaign... That's not tantric. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Playing through the campaign is a rollicking good time and gives the player the freedom not only to explore, but to then approach whichever challenges seem like the most fun. That musical number in New Donk City, the moped ride from a rampaging T-Rex, the low gravity moon platforming and the Super Mario 64-esque platforming challenges of the Luncheon Kingdom. All of them are wonderful. Then you complete the main game, only a fraction of the full experience and discover there's hundreds more moons to collect. I was overjoyed to learn there was so much more to do, but underwhelmed when they appeared to be scraps from Nintendo's cutting room floor. The hundreds of hidden moons were locked behind some tepid exploration challenges or esoteric tasks. Sure, I could take a Goomba to the other side of the Sand Kingdom to romance another Goomba. <laughs> I could slowly steer a pterodactyl towards a hidden stream of coins. I could find a hidden exit somewhere in that pyramid I'd already explored a dozen times before. But after the excitement of the main campaign, why would I look forward to any of it? In Super Mario Galaxy, or indeed any other Mario game, I didn't need to find the fun. It was constantly flung at me in a seemingly endless parade of new galaxies and challenges. And while I've never left a Mario game with anything less than near full completion, I've no incentive at all to return to Mario Odyssey's hundreds of uncollected moons. I think that's a wonderful um, observation and, and um, you know, it, 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 listening to that, I would love to say that I disagreed and I, I would love to say that my experience didn't sort of reflect Brazenhead89's comments, but it is unfortunately the case. I mean, I, I had that exact same feeling as I was coming up for the replay for the show. We were in the Mushroom Kingdom and one of the tasks was, hey, do you want to go and herd these sheep? And at that point I was like, yeah, I think, I think I'll go and watch some paint dry. Thank you very much. That's <laughs> way more appealing than doing that. They're quite fun because they make a cute noise when you hit them. I'll the take your word for it. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's not quite so... I don't feel as negatively as, yeah, as yourself, same. Rich, and, and, and Brazenhead, because I think even with the smaller task, even like, so the, the, uh, Brazenhead mentions the, ro the, the kind of romance between the two Goombas, there's still some, there's still Nintendo injecting a little bit of their personality, a little bit of charm into all of these moments. It's not quite at the kind of Ubisoft open world, like checking, you know, literally just like checking stuff off a list mm -hmm. it's still got some charm it's still got some personality would i prefer these to be as interesting and and 
engaging as some of the stuff in 3D World and Galaxy. Absolutely. But I still think there's there are scraps of joy still to be found in these smaller moments. With the Goombas and the romancing of, it kind of feeds back to what I was saying a minute ago for me personally, is that the actions of stacking Goombas is so much fun. That's the reward for me, like jumping on a Goomba yeah. to make two, three, four, five, six. That's that's the reward. The, the moon at the end is just it's just a thing that's happening. But the like you say, Nintendo's charm and personality is yeah, you can just, you can jump on a Goomba like because they're Goombas, they can they won't they won't kill each other like like Mario would. They're, they're alike. So yeah, you can just jump on a Goomba and to have ten at some point. There's a bit in um in like an underground kind of area, and you have to like stack them so high up. It's just it's just yeah. It's, it's funny it's just comical to see and yeah like all these actions with mario's adversaries you now get to be them and you get to play them in fun ways that's the reward almost makes me think given the three hint systems that are in the game that maybe nintendo thought they'd overdone it with the moons i don't know so there's a parrot that you can talk to who i reckon was the original here's the hint thing for the people who've maybe missed one or two moons on the so we should say there are was it 14 kingdoms or something like that certainly a a lot uh and each of them has a fairly arbitrary or random number seeming number of moons based on i guess where they could find to put things or where they Mm. built to put things i think the lowest is about not including the two sort of uh boss arena kingdoms but the smallest one's like 47 or something, and the biggest one's 112 or something. Does that sound about right? I, I think didn't I was write looking through it today. I think one of them's got like 29, but it's, you know, oh, it's okay. quite down there. Um, but some of, like, I think the sand one's got 89. Yeah, it's okay. quite, like I say, yeah. arbitrary is the word. Yeah, so a bunch of them unlock after you've completed the, the main story. Uh, there's a whole load of new ones come down. And yeah, so Talker 2 is the parrot and he basically, you talk to him and he gives you for free with no no charge uh, or anything, a sort of uh, a, a slightly oblique clue. But then uh, there's two other hint services, one of which costs you in-game currency and one of you requires uh, one of them, which I think basically comes up with the same results. So mm-hmm. I was thinking, is this, you know, because I'd totally forgotten about all this coming back to the game. I've got four amiibo, so you can use three amiibo at a time to get hints and you have to wait five minutes for them to come back with, with their hint. Or I think it's a it's that or pay toad in a hint toad in game to get basically stamps on your map. And they don't give away exactly what to do or where to do it, but it gives you across to tell you where to head sometimes they'll be really high or sometimes they'll be underground and it doesn't tell you any of that so i think it's a reasonable system but it just the fact that i spent of this sort of returning to the game for 15 hours i spent so much time just scanning amiibo (laughs) that that, uh that i thought i don't know is this actually am i enjoying this that much yeah i mean i use the amiibo system just because i've said this before but i'd rather play a game i like with some help than not at all, you know, because yeah. the option was just to turn it off and never go back to it. But yeah. I was enjoying it that much that I thought I'd scan one of my 100 Amiibos and uh, make use of them for a change. Uh, Hirony or Hirony from the forum says, at first, I thought there were too many moons. Setting down my first playthrough somewhere around 500, feeling totally sated on content. But then a year or two passed and something in me said, I quite fancy a bit of 3D Mario fun. Well, wouldn't you know it, I have 380 or so moons in Mario Odyssey that I've yet to collect. 
Thus began my odyssey, pardon the pun, to complete the game to 100%. I spent another dozen or so hours sweeping through all the worlds, methodically searching for well-hidden moons, asking for hints from Talker 2, and completing devilishly tricky puzzles and challenges that had proven too hard for me on my first run-through. So the game had a second wind for me, which was almost as enjoyable as the first. It felt almost like an inbuilt set of DLC for the game. I ended up getting every single moon and purple coin, and feeling pretty smug about it too. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I yeah, totally. Um, you don't have I've, to do it all in one go, right? Oh, do you not? That's just uh, no. that's just uh, that never really enters my brain, does it? To really just just put it down and come <laughs> yeah. back like later on, but because Nintendo are so few and far between releases, like yeah. yeah, you could just chop this game in half and come back yeah. two years later, and you'll we've be all no got closer to another. We've Odyssey. all got hundreds of other games, haven't we? So yeah, I mean, I, yeah, this is how I've done it effectively. Yeah, yeah, the, I I think that this is. This is the game's strength, right? Is that and and in many ways, I think Odyssey is a more successful portable Mario game than than 3D Land on the 3DS, just because it has that it has that feeling of never truly being completed and like the ability to just do a just a tiny thing, like oh, I'm on the bus, like. Let's just whack it out for fifteen minutes, and I'll just crack a couple of couple of like easy moons or and, and stuff like that. I think this quality has meant that it's ended up, even though like, and we'll get into this later. Even though I think I love uh, earlier entries in the series more, this quality is what's made it probably my most played Mario game. Just the fact that you can you can uh, kind of kind of uh you have kind of control over how, what kind of experience you want from it like when i first played it it was very much like i'm going through it like going through the campaign and i want to kind of rinse that and have like the set piece moments on my tv whereas now it's like oh i'm on a plane oh i'm on a bus it's 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 i love the kind of scalability of this experience versus earlier entries any uh, any particular comments we want to make on boss fights? Uh, I guess one thing that struck me... Well, uh, there's a few people uh, we're going to hear from who really didn't like the design of the Brudels, weird space rabbits. don't know if anyone's got anything to say on that. My comment was that I think most of the boss fights are pretty fun, but talking about that relatively low challenge level, uh, as I say, I accidentally went back to the final boss for the first time in literally three years uh, and did it first time i think i took one hit which is weird <laughs> in terms of the brutals like i've never really disliked them but i've never really liked them at the same time they remind me of mario 3's you know koopalings koopa kids sort of you know boss battles in terms of you hit them three times and in between each hit they do a funny thing that involves chaos you know in terms of i couldn't tell you their names they're much like you know no. roy and all that but yeah they're, they're, they're fine i guess they're just there you know slightly freaky i think i think like in terms of gameplay they're they're really fun like yeah. i think the the designs uh, are perfectly in. fine yeah i think they're just it, the the character designs just feel a little bit at odds with everything else they feel like they're from like a, a rabbits game or yeah. something well, like thing, that i compare that to the bosses i'm sorry i keep bringing up galaxy but i compare mm. that to the boss designs in galaxy yeah. where you have that giant piranha plant with its butt inside an egg um like the the, the giant like robot um like not a tripod, a bipedal robot mm -hmm. on a whole planet that you have to destroy with the drill. I just found the 
designs in Galaxy in particular way more creative and way more out there and having these kind of mascot characters like it's I feel I feel weird like this is a mascot 3D platformer yeah. but I just I kind of I, I've kind of come to expect slightly more from Mario and these feel a little bit like I don't know lesser than, from than another game. previous they do bosses feel like they come from yeah. a different platform game I don't think just they, did, yeah. they did a pretty poor job of explaining what they were in the story and I had to actually go away and look at this before the recording and, and they are the wedding planners and, and whether they yes. succeed in, in kind of demonstrating that they're wedding planners is, is kind of up there but I would suggest no but I did I did take a look at the names there's uh, Topper, Harriet, Rango um, Madame Brutal and my favourite Spewit, the one who vomits all over the floor. Rango's an interesting choice given there's an existing CG character by the same name but I suppose it's not an issue. Toon Scottoon from the forum says Super Mario Odyssey, if nothing else, celebrates the title character's maximalist nature. After all this pixelated polymath has made coin as a mascot, platformer, race car driver, painter, plumber, hand-to-hand combat expert, hospitality worker, sports star, space explorer, <laughs> healthcare professional, and so much more over the years. And Odyssey asks the player to help the rotund Renaissance man wear most of these hats and more. Despite all this content, I only have one real criticism of the game, which is that the Brudals just outright suck. I dislike their look, their lifestyle, and their matrimonial aesthetic. (laughs) If Bowser needs some capos for his gang, he should look elsewhere than these bushy-tailed moon rats. I like their hats. There's the one with, like, the straw hat who comes at you. He's, like, the the lankier one. I like the one with the the pigtails. I'm guessing that's the female one who kind of chucks those spiky balls at you. I... I think much like the whole game's like obsession with hats and caps and that, I feel like their hats are more characteristic, <laughs> yeah. charismatic than what they are. Yeah, I, I, I will say, because I, I don't want to be too negative on the bosses, I do think there are some designs that are great. I love the cockatiel in the Luncheon Kingdom. I think that is a really fun, goofy design. And I also, I can't pronounce the boss's name for the life of me, but the giant octopus in the Seaside Kingdom is also a really great design as well. And even the Brutals, they get inside a giant like wooden robot-y thing, right? And you um, have to peck yeah. your way up the side of it and smash the glass domes that they're all hiding in. But that, that's pretty good. That reminds me of a galaxy kind of boss yeah. Yeah. in terms of like, you know, you have to bomb the um, the armoured ankles and they fall over. It's not particularly hard, but it's still, it, it can be galaxy vibes. Gives you things to think about. The boss in the Wooded Kingdom, I, I can't remember the name of it, is pretty cool as well. It's like a sort of giant upturned UFO that you need to yeah. sort of defeat. It sucks all the flowers up. And like all of the the kind of area bosses serve a purpose because they all kind of functionally lead in towards something that Bowser needs in order to get to the kingdom. But before we move off bosses, right, the, the one aspect of the game where I was ready to dash my switch off the floor and give up was oh, yeah. the dark side of the moon where you've got to defeat all of the Brutals back to back with moon gravity. Mm-hmm. I was like, nah. I'm, I'm not doing this. I handed the control over my 13-year-old son who did it the first attempt and uh, I've never wow. felt so okay. <laughs> emasculated in my life. We didn't mention the uh, the, the gravity on the moon gives uh, gives a whole new kind of uh, set of physics to Mario, uh, perhaps not the first time, but in a very kind of striking way. And also some of the audio I thought recaptured some of the, the galaxy vibes appropriately enough. Uh, but yeah, jumping, if you possess the frog on, on the moon and jump, that is the biggest single jump in any platform game ever, I reckon. 
Rager says, it's hard to put my finger on why I enjoyed this game so much. I think it's because I feel the same design philosophy that permeated Breath of the Wild is also evident here in spades, dropping you into a world absolutely stuffed with secrets and saying, there you go, now explore. What a joy this was. Everything else is predictably on point for a first party Mario game. The level design, the art style, the colour, wow, and the soundtrack all deliver in spades. The only misstep I feel are the Brudels, both their character design and battling them, particularly the boss rush at the end. End, worse than the blob creatures of Delfino Isle. It's actually nudged Super Mario Galaxy and Super Mario World down a notch and sits firmly at the top of my list of favourite Mario games. Never thought I'd say that. Uh, the mini games, there are quite a few because, you know, there's got to be ways to earn moons. Uh, some of them are actually almost little separate games unto themselves, like the remote control car. It's pretty simple, but, uh, but it essentially it's a yeah it's a it's a rc car game rather than you are it's not like a little mario kart section or something like that it plays mario kart music though doesn't it it does yes 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 nice touch but yeah you end up you you possess a a human of you know that's right proportions who's controlling the car yeah but some of them uh i think uh I, i have done all the trace walking ones but i i'm not sure that was a great idea uh, the ones I haven't completed are the, I believe, notorious jump rope and beach volleyball moons, <laughs> where <laughs> the first ones are pretty easy, but the the second power moon for each one requires some pretty devastatingly, uh, again, I know we've talked about how easy the game is and whatever, but actually the, the timing on these, I would say, is kind of hardcore. So my best on jump rope 1.0 is 351. And then they've changed it. So I went to the leaderboards oh. today and it's jump rope 2.0. Oh. And they've kind of reset the leaderboard. And I think people found a glitch where they could get like 999 skips. That's right. Doing something that, was, ridiculous. that was that glitch of locking the camera to talk or two and then just standing above the rope and getting it. There you go. So yeah. But the volleyball one, like... um. There's this video that we mentioned earlier on YouTube of the top 10 hardest ones. And the volleyball one, I did get the the wind up to get to the, the the meat of the volleyball it just takes too long and it's too slow and right. boring so to try and beat my high score on that was just too much of a chore rather than a challenge the month from the forum says i love the build up to new donk city how you think you're going and you crash first and when you actually get there you need to save it before it's the proper bright and sunny aesthetic i love being able to platform to places you're never supposed to be and getting coins for it i love how much of the game you can skip with the right series of jumps i love fighting a real dragon i love jumping on the moon and i love the ending having way too many collectible moons around might get overbearing for some but i think it really helps the pace of the game It really helps replayability when I don't need to fight the boss or do the same find eight red coins or other convoluted tasks to complete a world. Rapid firing through things you might think work and getting rewarded is such a great feeling. And so is being a T-Rex and the flingy bird and jumping off the very tip of the tallest building. I love Super Mario Wedding Crashers. And Dave Lawrence 8 from the forum says, My take on Odyssey is that it's a grand, beautiful adventure with a long list of wins, but with one major gripe. Starting with the gripe. I wish all of that endgame content was in the actual game. It could have made for a lush, giant quest while still keeping the optional moons scattered along the landscape. Have each world stuffed full with things to do, but also keep the boss in the same spot for those that don't want to check every moon location and get every item. 
What Odyssey has going for it is its sheer variety. The worlds, the outfits, the ability to be the enemies, the number of challenges and offshoot platforming puzzles. It's all fun and all worthwhile. Plus, there's everything we expect from a Mario title, and it's all there too. Stellar soundtracks, smooth controls, tight platforming, winking humour, even some experimentation, and some throwback materials that celebrate the 30-year romp that is Mario. The celebration at the end of the new Donk level is fan service personified in a giant angry ape. It's amazing. Then there are the little moments that are filled with spirit, like Peach travelling to each level on her own, the elimination of lives as a thing, returning to the Mushroom Kingdom after the main storyline, or the ability to be a certain mean green turtle boss during the end game. Pure Mario fun. It's just that after the main storyline, all the extra stuff seems superfluous. Why bother? Why not put it in the main game too? I found that unlike Breath of the Wild, there was little reason or incentive to return to those lush levels and get more moons. In the end, I find that the Super Mario 3D World or Super Mario Galaxy formula, classic Mario levels with a tad of exploration and definitive closing flagpole or star, fits my Mario preferences more than Odyssey. But Odyssey really is a beautiful, fun adventure for the Switch and a worthy successor to Mario 64. And third drawing says... I've played multiple Mario games, but this is the first one I've actually finished. There's so much variety in this game that I was always able to find something that clicked with me. If I got frustrated in a spot, as I often do with platformers, I could move on and do something else, like hunt for more moons. I'm not sure if some people consider this game to have a lack of challenge compared to other Mario games, but I consider it a testament to great game design that I kept wanting to push forward, even when I got frustrated. For me, this is the Sekiro of platformers. I kind of suck at it, but somehow it clicked and managed to hook me when I eked out that little bit of progress. Oh, a sicker row of platformers. <laughs> I'm going to say that. phrase can't catch on. I think that's super that mean, one. boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't get infinite lives in. Oh, maybe you do. Uh, yeah. One thing I did want to mention, and it's kind of twee and obvious, but it's a game for everyone, uh, for people all around the world and people of different ages and whatever else. I actually thought it was quite touching, the sort of the overarching sentiment of let's all just get along. We've only got one planet, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a message as old as time. Um, but sometimes it's quite good, I think, when a large corporation puts it in a bundle that 20 million plus people are going to see. And even if it doesn't immediately resonate with them, it's it's in there and it's it seemed it seemed heartfelt. Am I am I just being saccharine in my middle age? No, or? I I totally agree. I think it's especially heartening to see that stuff in media primarily targeted at kids. Right. Like like reinforcing that stuff as, you know, like as adults I feel like to a degree it's preaching preaching to the converted. People who are not wanting to to listen to that message can just happily play this and ignore it. Yeah. Whereas kids kids soak that stuff in. And and take it on board. And I think, yeah, I think it is really positive to have Nintendo impart something like this in their games. And it's not just the that that sort of like sort of overarching feeling of, of unity and um, corroboration, but also in the the general plot of the game, where at the end Peach realizes that she 
wants to marry neither Mario or Bowser and is yeah. independent <laughs> and happy in a, a room. Little room. pat on the back for Bowser for Mario. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, we, we talked about the conceit of a wedding at the beginning of the, the show and, and how kind of bizarre it was. But I guess like for a child, maybe there is almost some expectation that marriage is an aspiration and, and hopefully yeah. they can kind of pass mm-hmm. through that as they the move through the game. Mm. It's important to have a relationship with yourself and mm-hmm. not just the weird plumber and the giant lizard. <laughs> we've learned something today in this very special I feel episode. like we've really come through the other side, guys. <laughs> I, I, I tend to believe it as well from Nintendo, and not because, like, you know, there are, like, you know, a giant corporation who get billions of dollars every year, yeah. but, like, when you watch the YouTube videos of the band playing the music, mm. and it's just, like, some... Oh, I'm going to sound like a harsh idiot here, but, like, some just some old dude in, like ripped up shorts playing some saucepans on the floor you think yeah this guy gets it he, he doesn't he doesn't care what anyone thinks about what he's doing he's just playing some music which involves saucepans and he's just <laughs> wearing clothes that he's just found on his chair like he just seems like nintendo musicians just seem like the most carefree people in the world she's like i don't care what i look like or what i just play some saucepans and some and some other kind of instruments and i sound really great <laughs> like you just see these people playing their music and you're like i want to be him i want to be him because he doesn't care what happens around him because he knows Knows he's the best. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's got no expectations of the world around him. He's just like, yeah, let's just chill out, man. I'm just gonna go over and play a ladle, and over here I'm gonna play with a whisk. And I'm gonna make some wicked noises. You can't do that, but I can, and I'm gonna show you how cool <laughs> I am. Let's just chill out and peace together. Yeah, I want to be that guy. I think the other thing is just as a sort of my final thoughts on this as well is like. You know, 2020 was supposed to be the year where Mario was supposed to be the mascot of the Olympic Games. And the idea that like Mario kind of has that kind of very independent um, view, I guess. And and that kind of, as we say, corroborative and like egalitarian kind of uh, society. Maybe that means a lot as he represents the entirety of Japan in in some regards as well. So perhaps there's a, a thought in there. Didn't they pull him out of a pipe when they did the passing of the torch? Yeah, um, yeah not the, so long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah the uh, the president of Japan. Um, That's it. Kabe, is it? I'd rather him than than Boris. <laughs> like what we did. <laughs> yeah, there's a fine line. May may uh, may may they never taint Mario with Johnson. Mr. Ixalite from the forum says, with the exception of the Galaxy games, I've never been that invested in Mario platformers. The craft is undeniable, but there's a sort of curated sameness to them that puts me off at a distance. The same enemies, locales, structure and scenario. The same personality-free Mario. Happily, I found Odyssey to be a breath of fresh air. I even like the much-detested Brudels due to being both a new thing in a Mario game and tying the themes of hats, weddings and moons neatly together. Even old Mario felt more interesting due to the opportunity to play dress-up. My Mario was in shades and a sunshine shirt as soon as possible, an accomplished platforming veteran keeping it chill and saving the day at his leisure. Exactly my own approach. I played the game over three laps, spanning half a year with breaks in between. The first progressing casually, picking up as many moons as I fancied. The next going through the post-game collecting moons until I couldn't readily find any anymore. Or the challenges pushback became annoying. And one last lap, using talkatoos, hint toads and eventually a guide to mop up every last collectible moon in the game. This was the domain of the most obtuse challenges, the ones only accessible by motion controls of jump rope and volleyball. No blue coins there. No blue coins. We've hardly mentioned purple coins, which you arguably do want a Bowser amiibo for to find them all because I'm missing like three in various kingdoms and that's quite annoying. I'm glad I did it this way, continues Mr. Ixalite. 
not just because it took me to the very end, but because Odyssey is such an incredibly dense game that combing through its sandboxes for moons can make them feel tiny and repetitive. The challenges are almost all fun and very diverse, but by the end I was yearning for a bit more of the more elaborate platforming levels found in Galaxy. Maybe I had just tired of micro-challenges taking place in sterile voids. But as I capped off the game with the Tough as Nails final level, and got a, I got a slightly melancholy cappy reminiscing about how far we'd come, I couldn't help but agree. Mario Odyssey was a comfort game when I consistently booted up to complete a few micro-challenges each day, and it was sad to have it come to an end. I'll most likely never make this trek again, but it was fun while it lasted. Added, uh, again, I don't know if this was actually in the original code or whether this was genuinely a download, uh, about four months after release, February-ish 2018, Luigi's Balloon World. Uh, I looked at this once and you hide a... It's just... You, it, it's just pure flannel, isn't it? It's just hard. It's just hide and seek balloons, you know. Yeah, some of them are pretty decently well hid, but um, I didn't find much excitement there, other than Luigi's in the game. Nobody else engaged with this then. No, not, nah, at, not all. at all. My kids did. Was this something to do with the year of Luigi, or was that a no, different no. year? That was that was uh, twenty thirteen. Those halcyon days. You forgot, Rich. <laughs> it's about seven seven years ago. In this, the year of Luigi. Every year is Luigi's year. Yeah, at least they didn't make 2020 the year of Luigi. Gosh, the year of Waluigi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and did anyone have the wherewithal to set up the Labo VR cardboard headset? Yeah. Does yeah, it work that, at yeah. all? No. I heard that. <laughs> I heard it looks terrible and makes you sick. It's on, it's, right. So the cardboard labo is, you know, a thing you hold to your face. You slide the joy, you slide the switch screen into the the holder, the, the, the VR goggles. You put the Joy-Cons in and you hold the thing up to your face while controlling Mario. The camera sits in one position. You have to find the musical instruments for the people who then play the instruments. It's, it's fine. It's, but it's not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just there. You can play it without VR to just check out what it does. And um, the, the the cool thing about it is when you like launch Mario way up into the sky and then he comes flying towards the camera and lands eloquently in front of you. It's good to see Mario up close, but the way the Switch handles VR, mm. you know, because it's not built for no. it, it just doesn't, it's not good for the eyes, like much like the Virtual Boy. Right. Okay. Uh, they seem to have stopped making Labo, I suppose, with maybe this year, but there's been no more sets, have there? I spent many days uh, during lockdown one building Labo just to kind of escape the madness. Yeah. It was horrible. Bring on more Labo. One more thing about the game that uh, I hadn't really even considered as being a possibility because I don't really follow these scenes too closely, but people have like hacked Super Mario Odyssey and you can play it on PC and they make levels. And so it's essentially like 3D Mario Maker, but... I don't know how you do it. I don't know. Uh, obviously, it's not strictly legal. I'm sure Nintendo are trying to shut it down as quickly as they possibly can. But there's, I found one guy on YouTube called Small Ant. Apologies if he's somebody with a, a nasty rep, but he seemed all right from the brief snatches I watched. Yeah, just playing these sort of... We Obviously, we had our uh, Mario Maker podcast earlier this year with Mikiel and co. Uh, the Kaizo levels seem to be what often take over the scene of, of creating... Of, of creating content for these games which i think is a i think it's great that they exist but i think it's a shame that they become the kind of the real focus it looked like and maybe this is just because of what i've seen it looks like a lot of these levels would be kind of 
3D Kaizo levels almost, or certainly ones that require the all those skills that we said you don't really need in the main game. These levels are about exploiting Mario's moveset to that. So that I can see some merit to it. Yeah, if I was 16, much like I was when Half-Life came around, I would mod the hell out of this if I had like a spare Switch in that because I wouldn't want to do it on my actual Switch. Um, but yeah, I, at one point in my life, I reckon I could have gotten into this, but um, I am too lack of time and tired to do so. Yeah, I don't even know how it works. So do you you actually play it on a Switch or is it emulated on a PC or... Yeah, again, it's, it's, so, it's so out of my realms of expertise yeah. at yeah. my stage in my life. So yeah, uh, I'd imagine it was like, like a Wii U, right? You kind of homebrew it and then right. add it through that way. But I'm just speculating there. I think, I think for me, ultimately, like, and it's the reason why I haven't picked up the latest Mario Maker. I want to play Nintendo Mario levels, not everyone else's Mario levels. If Mario Odyssey wasn't big enough for you, though, there's more to play if you yeah, if you want to hack your mod your Switch or whatever. Eating Beans Again from the forum says, My earliest gaming memories involved the Super Mario games on the SNES and Donkey Kong on the Game Boy, which we also uh, did a podcast on some time back. Check it out. But after the SNES, I fell away from the series. Life went on, and the next two decades of my time were spent with PlayStations and PCs, slotting them in between beers, parties and work. Fast forward a couple of decades and my partner and I picked up a Switch and grabbed Mario Odyssey to go with it. It was like visiting an old friend. Just as I'd gotten greyer and more cynical, Mario had changed too since I last saw him. The most important thing to me, however, was the fact that Mario retained his whimsy after all these years. When last we met, I was a wide-eyed kid with school holidays and weekends that seemed to stretch forever. Now I'm older with more stresses and responsibilities, but my old friend Mario, well, he hasn't lost his spark. Turning on the switch was like travelling back in time. I was nearing the end of my PhD and so taking an hour or two a day to step into another world with Mario just made my stresses melt away. Deadlines, bills, just put that aside for a minute because there is a princess to rescue, monsters to stomp and coins to collect with one of your oldest mates. I'm sure this all sounds a bit twee but playing through Odyssey reminded me of something that I may have forgotten along the way and that is just to have fun. Odyssey represents a pure video game experience to me. It's like climbing the tallest tree in the park or seeing who can roll down the hill the furthest. There's no pretense and asks nothing of the player except to enjoy themselves. It's good to see you again, old friend. Me and Ivy, in the summer, we actually roll down the hills to see who can go the furthest. Yeah, got to be it's done. It's so much fun. Got to be done. It's just, it's just brilliant. Tragedy didn't occur. This time. This time. <laughs> <laughs> Is that when you roll in poo or something? Yeah, or shards of glass, hypodermic needles. Needles, yeah. <laughs> A rogue horse, you know. Yeah. There's an OST. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, announced at the time of the game, released in Japan on February 28th, 2018. The album contains four discs with 136 tracks in total, as well as two stickers <laughs> and a booklet containing concept art of Pauline and comments from the staff. Additionally, the Super Mario Odyssey sound selection containing 12 tracks was released worldwide on the iTunes store on December 22, 2017. There's also an art book, uh, which is Japan only, I think. I'm no longer sure about that. Yeah, no, I think it is. I don't know. There's an English copy showing on the wiki. Anyway, The Art of Super Mario Odyssey, a collection of artwork that was released, uh, it says in Japan, on 28th of September 2018. Oh, and in English-speaking countries in October 2019. So yeah, if you love the game, get the art book. Archie's 
from the forum says, having grown up on Mario games with Super Mario World being one of my favourites and Super Mario 64 coming to me during a formative time in my adolescent years, this game clicked with me in the same way Breath of the Wild did in 2017. I love the design, the gameplay, the worlds, the tight controls, the charming characters, the NPCs, the catchy music, the power-ups, the costumes and just everything else that made this a joy to experience. In my opinion, this is the first Mario game since Super Mario Galaxy on the Wii to really iterate on the Mario formula and advance it forward by mixing so many elements of recent and classic Mario games. The J-Boog says, I can't say it's my all-time favourite Mario game. I still prefer the more linear design of the Galaxy games. Some of the more mundane moons got a bit old after a while and this stopped me from going for full completion. And while the T-Rex capture was a great marketing tool, I even found the manhole cover more exciting due to the terribly sluggish control of the former. But <laughs> hey, maybe that's why they're extinct. Talk about sluggish, though. When you get hold of that manhole cover, that is just like super slow, obviously by design. Yeah. It's just like, yep, you dragging it along the floor. Yeah, it's, uh, that made me laugh at it. Finally, from long-form correspondence, we have from Evie Thomas, age six, from the forum, who says... I like Super Mario Odyssey because I like playing it with my brother Sam and having lots of fun. My favourite level is the Mushroom Kingdom because I like playing as Yoshi in it. I like doing the balloon races with Luigi and hiding them. The Jump Up Superstar level is fun for me because I like hitting Donkey Kong and I like the music. I like getting the moons and in the Mushroom Kingdom I like scaring Toad when I took control of the monsters with my hat. I love getting changed in the shops or the Odyssey. My favourite outfit is the normal red and blue one but I also like dressing as Father Christmas. I don't like all the monsters and get a bit scared that we might die. The one I don't like the most is the one on the Sand Kingdom where his hands come off and you have to punch him in the face. I like Mario <laughs> a lot, but I think I like Animal Crossing more now. Fair points. Fair. <laughs> yes, there is indeed a classic Nintendo boss with hands that come off. Hands. Yeah, <laughs> at least you get to use those hands to, like the poster said, punch himself in the face. It's um, quite satisfying. It's quite satisfying, yeah. The, um, the dressing up's an interesting point because obviously Ivy loves to, she runs towards the Odyssey and opens up the cupboard and she'll just spend half an hour just dressing up Mario and looking in the mirror and all that. But yeah, there's some nice touches with the Odyssey and going into it for changing. You can go down the exhaust pipe on the Odyssey, right? And you can, yeah, like just little things like that just make the game just that little sprinkling of magic here and there. All right, so let's see how our Twitter followers summed this up in just three words. Damanth said, post-game's boring. David Merritt says, not challenging enough. The Frog on the Doorstep says, occasionally genius. Kurt Lewin says, preferred more structure. Gadget 8-Bit says, Sentinel, uh, sentient headwear horror. Harry says, so many moons. Alistair Hendry says, too many moons. Leroy Lemon says, Nostalgia Reboot Juggernaut. Mr. Ixalite says, MarioWare Mega Minigames. I like that one. Richard Burt says, Pauline is Canon. Freelance Police says, Marvellous Mario Movement. Jack Darcy says, Mustachio T-Rex. The King Rocker, Surftastic Steam Gardens. Tom Hewlett says, Soup is Lava. Toon Scottoon says, Hero in Headwear. Steve Margotson says, Constant Dopamine Bursts. Alex79 UK, endless family fun. Gustav Dahl says, feels like childhood. Danny Spiteri says, joyfully creative journey. And Luda Narrative FM says, jump up, superstar. Of course. Thanks, everyone. No difficulty getting correspondence for a three-year-old game that sold 19 million copies. <laughs> uh, so let us see if we can summarise our own feelings on this 
until now, and possibly for a while yet, uh, the most recent mainline 3D Mario game. Let's start with Rich. Hmm. So I'm quite nervous about coming on a show to ostensibly dunk on a a, a game that's uh, got 97% and open critic review aggregate score. I think I, I I recognize that it's an excellent game, but it's just that I see it as a, a, a good game. And I suppose by that, what I mean is it's a game that isn't necessarily resonating with me and certainly isn't going to stick with me in the long run. My personal opinion of it is I feel like it's built for a purpose of, of quantity over quality. And I think it's just not to my taste. And it takes a very long time to get to a point where I actually feel like I'm being challenged. They're, they're few and far between. The amount of times, the important part for me is that the the experience that I have with, with Mario Odyssey is not necessarily one that is my own, but it's something that's married by my kids' experience and something that I can't disaggregate between the two. And I think that's really important to mention, and it's been reciprocated by a lot of the, the forum correspondents. It seems to be a, a game that's had quite a profound effect on, on my kids and, and what I recognise that it's probably going to be the game to them that Super Mario Brothers 3 was to me back in the early 90s. Mm. It's a game that is just just inarguably creative and versatile and happy and and fun and so i think that the opinions that i take away from that aren't really that important and and what i recognize is that for most people they're going to have that experience whether or not they feel the the same way or not and as i say like watching my eight-year-old son zach play this game i can see him experiencing things and smiling and and being with mario and just seeing how he kind of absorbs himself the game and, and has that kind of like creativity and dexterity and, and watching him do the most impressive feats of agility and acrobatics is something that brings a, a happiness to my face yeah sweet yeah uh i think i'm next just because i well i don't know but i do really like super mario odyssey uh and in so many ways yeah it's such a such a delightful generous high quality polished package uh with loads of fun and funny moments and satisfaction and things to feel good about uh but i am slightly concerned that nintendo doesn't lose its way trying to make a game that is more like sort of contemporary other triple a video games and i just I just worry that maybe they they went through a similar period in in the the Wii era where uh with some of their titles where I felt like they were trying too hard to appeal to everyone and obviously it did very well for them commercially as has this but they also released the Galaxy games at that point which for me are still the uh, particularly Galaxy 1 is absolutely the high point of 3D Mario and 3D platformers in general I too have been back to it recently on Switch and uh, where it's ever so slightly different slightly shinier looking and slightly modified controls but it's still the same just joyous package and experience and I found that game some of these things are just contextual and to do with the person you are and what mindset you're in at the time but that game is like pure true magic to me whereas Odyssey isn't that for the most part it's had its moments like the snow level not just the Christmassy bit and the music but the actual walking through the powdery snow is so beautifully realized diving in the sea and the and, and the the lakes in in the watery levels and stuff like that remains a, a pleasure but yeah I just feel they they over egged the pudding a bit with the moons I think too many moons slightly spoiled the broth in the sense that as I'm now on my 60, uh, my 70th hour or so, rather than still feeling glee and the thought of a satisfying odyssey that I had, I'm still thinking, and I've still got like 
150-odd actual different moons to get, and some of them aren't really that appealing to do. I would rather they'd been a bit more brutal with the editing scissors uh, in in terms of both the number of moons and the size of some of the maps and condense the fun down a bit. Not necessarily massively, maybe like by a third or something like that. But overall, yeah, I mean, everyone who has a Switch and who doesn't already hate Mario, because I know you, you people are out there, should obviously have this uh, this lovely package in your collection. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I'm going to get out of the gate. I really, really like Mario Odyssey. I wouldn't say it's my favourite, you know, but I, it, it, it astounds me that both Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey came out within a year of each mm. other, and they both kind of, kind of took my breath away with just how they can keep these franchises going and just make them feel fresh again and again and again. Like I didn't expect Breath of the Wild to be that magical, and while Mario Odyssey probably didn't hit the same high notes as Breath of the Wild, it definitely, you know, I was not expecting this level of content for good or worse um or just just pure variety wasn't expecting the the cappy mechanic to be so fluid and seamless and you know just eh, pretty much everything about this game is just it's just fun to play you know and that's that's what nintendo's all about first and foremost really um you know i I do think like i said at the start of the podcast near the start that the aesthetics doesn't really tickle the boxes for me i kind of wished it leaned more into the the luncheon kingdom side but you know that's just that's just me i think nintendo are kind of pivoting into a new age where splatoon and arms and ring fit and this kind of new vibe of Nintendo seems to be trickling through now. And you can see that in Mario Odyssey, definitely. Like, you know, the, the, there's one called Spew, as you mentioned earlier. That That's like the Splatoon ink on the floor. It's th- There's a new wave of Nintendo developers coming in. Mm. And I think they're influencing mm-hmm. in the games, you know, in their own style. And, and I might not gel with that 100%, but at, at its core, Mario Odyssey is just, a, it's just a blast to play. Whether you're going for the 100 moons or the 800 moons, you know what I mean? It's they're, they're, I've played platform games that would uh that, that are just goddamn awful to be honest with you and but mario odyssey again nintendo just seems just go yep we'll make another mario game and we'll show you what it is to make a 3d platformer in 2000 and whenever you know the modern day absolute delight i just wish the levels were more mario than sonic adventure <laughs> <laughs> maybe the next one will be out at the end of 2021 with the, as a launch title for the switch 2 or plus huh because it will have been four years Mm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not hopeful for not a, a sequel anytime soon. Um, you know, because I think we've had our a Mario burst this year with um, well, what was supposed to be a burst of Mario. Yeah. But you know, I'll, I'll, I'd, I'd happily take an Odyssey two for sure. Um, but I'd probably prefer a Galaxy three. All right, and Josh. Yeah, I like this is a weird one because I feel like I've been really critical, and and my summation is it's a really great game, and it's a and it's an essential purchase if you have a Switch. I think it it's it's just that it's that thing that we've been talking about all the way through this 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 issue of like Nintendo sets a higher bar, and so you know bright lights cast you know. Uh, dark shadows as it were Mm -hmm. and yeah ultimately like i don't like this game as much as as the galaxy games or or even 3d world and it's really interesting because they came out the same year it's really interesting to compare mario odyssey with breath of the wild because both games give the player the most expressive the most versatile versions of their respective heroes mm. the the, the represented uh, representatives of their franchises but 
everything about Breath of the Wild's design, from the breakable weapons to some of the difficulty of the enemies and all of that, really encourages you to engage with that depth, to engage with how complex and nuanced the world design is and and how uh, how much depth you can mine out of, of Link um, himself. Whereas Mario Odyssey has all this depth to be mined and it doesn't encourage you to do that. Mm. Now, some players will just do it um, because you know their brain is wired that way, and they want to find that death regardless of what the game is doing. But I, I want that challenge to be flung on me. I want that 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 obstacle course that makes me engage. And until you get to the the really late levels of the game, um, Mario Odyssey doesn't really do that. And um, I hope that we see um, Nintendo lean more into the design principles of Breath of the Wild and less into the design principles of Odyssey going forward with both franchises. Nicely analysed and put. Well done, everybody. He's a clever man, that Josh. (laughs) He should work in the games industry. It remains for me, Leon, then, to thank Darren, Josh, Rich and editor Ryan, as well as our correspondents, many of you. Thank you for such uh, rich stuff that we can share uh, and to you of course for listening next time we'll conclude our ninth volume our ninth year with issue 450 all about the feel-good bard and his wonder song Oh, I'm on the bus. Like, let's just whack it out for 15 minutes.